You know, I'm just thankful that the, that the Lord Jesus' halo ain't broken. Amen? And because his halo ain't broken, neither is mine. Praise God. Amen. Excited, excited. Uh, children's Church, yes. Uh, eight years old and younger, be dismissed. Amen. Oh, Miss Janet. Looks like McKenzie's going to teach you today. Ah, there's Carson. All right. We're good. Good deal. You know, last week we concluded that be becoming a living sacrifice occurs. It's on, brother. I must have left it on. It occurs when we surrender our bodies to the worship of God. Becoming a living sacrifice occurs when we surrender our minds to the wisdom of God. But perhaps most of all, we become a living sacrifice when we surrender our own will to the will of God. You know, Paul has been driving home the fact that we as individual believers have an obligation to the Lord Jesus. We have an obligation to give him our very best in service and to give him our very best in sacrifice. Now, the rest of chapter 12, and that's going to be on about one page 1008, and the Bible's in front of you. The rest of chapter 12, Paul focuses on the individual believer's duty to and our place in the body of Christ, which is, of course, the church. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, hear what the apostle writes to a church just like ours, to a body of Christ that was in Rome. He could have just as well been writing to the body of Christ at Bethel Baptist. Hear what he has to say, beginning in verse 3 of Romans chapter 12. For I say, through the grace given me to everyone, say to everyone, that means nobody's exempt from this, okay? To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but not all members have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, catch this, let us use them. Say that with me. Let let us use these gifts that have been given to us according to the grace of God. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, here we go again, let us use it, right, in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts or encourages in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Paul says today that there's three observations we need to be aware of as believers. Three observations that we need to make, that everyone in the body of Christ needs to make, so that you'll know where you fit. So that you'll know where you fit in God's plan for the body of Christ. So here's the first one. Ready? Watch your pride in the body. Look what verse 3 said. For I say to you through the grace given to me to everyone 
who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You see, when people come to Christ, when people give their lives to the Lord and God begins to do a supernatural work through them, there's a real danger that as we're growing and as we're separating ourselves from the world, there's a real danger that we'll develop some pretty gnarly habits. There's a danger that we'll develop some pretty bad habits. And one of the great dangers that we face as Christians in our lives is the sin of pride. The sin of pride. I believe pride, friends, is the very root of every sin. And the reason is, is because pride, P-R-I-D-E, puts I at its center. You get it? Pride puts I at its center. And so Paul addresses everyone, reminding us that pride is a sin that every one of us deal with. From time to time, we can all get kind of puffed up. We can all get kind of lifted up with our own self-importance when there really ought not be none. So the first danger, the first challenge, rather, against pride is the danger to avoid. Pride has a twofold danger, the first of which is self-deception. Self-deception basically says, hey, man, you're thinking more about yourself than you ought to think. You're thinking more of yourself than you ought to think. He's talking about people who look down on other people. Have you ever been guilty of doing that? Well, we got some self-righteous people here today. Amen? I ain't never looked down on nobody before in my life. Amen? Hey, I guarantee you every one of us has been there. Every one of us has looked down on somebody for one reason or another. Maybe you think, uh, you know what, they just ain't as holy as me. Maybe you think, you know, uh, my gifts are more important than their gifts. Maybe you think, well, I'm kind of God's gift to the church anyhow. Amen? Wow. Well, listen, if you think you're the stuff, if you think you're the stuff, then you're a person walking in pride and you are in danger. Every believer in the body of Christ is important. Therefore, none goes without God's seeing him. Their gifts are important. They're in a, a work under construction. And every believer is important. But listen, none is essential. My last day here will be the first day you start looking for somebody to take my place. Am I right? So everybody's important, but ain't none of us essential. All the redeemed of God have a place in the work of God. But the whole work of God does not rest on the shoulders of one person. You get that? So think about this. Any church or any ministry that becomes dependent on the gifts or abilities of just a few individuals is a ministry that is in danger of dying. Do you hear that? Because the work is for all of us. There are things that I can't do that only you can do. There are things that you can't do that perhaps I can do. So we have to be aware of this danger. There's another danger, not only self-deception, but another danger that's equally destructive, and that is self-depreciation. There are some Christians who display a false humility. 
You ask them to do something in the, in the church. You ask them to pray about doing something in the church. And they say things like, Brother Bill, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You ask them to do something in the church. And they say, man, I just ain't got the talent for that. I ain't got the ability for that. I can't do nothing, Brother Bill. It's false humility. It's self-depreciation. But what I want to challenge you to do is think. What does that say about the God who saved you? What does that say about the God who lives in you for you to say, I can't do it? What does that say about the God who lives his life through you when you say, I ain't got no talent. I ain't got no ability. I can't do nothing. Be very careful. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul is writing to another church, another body of Christ, and he says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Y'all hear that? To each one for the profit of all. In other words, when the Lord saved you, He also gifted you in some area. He gifted you in some area. Every redeemed man, every redeemed woman, every redeemed young person, every one of us, has been given at least one spiritual gift. And we're to use that gift to help others. It's given for other people. So it's up to you, friend. It's up to you to find out what your gift is. It's up to you to get busy using the gift you've been given by God. Think about this. To ignore your giftedness, to ignore the gift that God has given you, is to slap God in the face. Not to use a precious gift of God. It's like a slap in the face. So let us be careful about these dangers. But not only are there dangers to avoid, there's also a, de a decision to accept. Paul shows us that there's a delicate balance here. A delicate balance between being diligent to serve God with the gifts we've been given, but then also getting a lofty view of ourselves, becoming prideful. And so he says, think soberly. Think soberly because God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That word soberly means intelligently. It means sanely. It means think right about it. Since it's God that's gifted you, you don't need to become all puffed up because without him you don't have no gift. Amen? Since it was God who gifted you, you need to learn to use that gift and let him have all the glory for it. Because it's his gift, not yours. He just gave it to you to use. Amen? So don't think that the gift God gave you made you any better than anybody else. It doesn't. It's his gift. You're just the avenue that God chose to use that gift. So watch your pride. Watch your pride in the body. But secondly, we're also urged to watch our place in the body. To teach us how to use our gifts for the whole body of Christ, here's what Paul says. Paul says, first, I want you to understand the human body image. Look what he says in verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. He's talking about your body. You have a lot of members. You have your arms and your hands and your feet and your legs and your eyes and your ears. All these different members, but they're all one body. Amen? So he says, understand this image. He uses the human body to illustrate what he's about to teach. And here's what he says. 
The human body is a really complex creation. Would you agree with that? It's a very complex creation. Did you know that the human brain alone has over 100 billion nerve cells? Your brain alone. Now, I'm, I'm fully understanding that some people have a lot less than that, amen? <laughs> Testimony? But the, most, human body, most human brains have over 100 billion nerve cells. Our bodies are made up of 200 bones, over 600 muscles, countless specialized systems that enable us to live and to function well. The human body contains over 7.5 trillion cells, and each cell has 200 trillion tiny groups of atoms called molecules. Now, the largest molecule in the, one of these atoms that there over 200 trillion of is something called DNA. DNA carries your genetic code. It's what determines whether you become a man or a donkey. Although that some people are able to do both, amen? Wow, here we go. I didn't say that. Anyway, one DNA strand is over six feet tall. One of your DNA strands is over six feet tall. The total DNA in your body would fill a box about the size of an ice cube. But check this out. If you took all of those six-foot-long pieces of DNA and you linked them together end-to-end, end, those DNA would reach to the sun and back over 400 times. You see how complex your body is? Our bodies are so diverse. They're so incredibly complex, but yet they are the perfect picture of unity. No part of my body tries to do the part of another part. Never do my hands try to walk. Never do my eyes try to talk. Right? They know their job. And they don't try to take the job of another. Each part of our body does its intended job. And as a result, the entire body lives and functions and does what it's supposed to do. Paul says, as diverse and as unified as the human body is, the body of Christ ought to have that same unity. We ought to be just like one big human body working together in all of its systems and all of its gift and all of its blessings, using it for the body of Christ. So you need to understand that image. That's a pretty complex image. But also we must understand the individuality. Notice in verse 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. We have many members here today. But we are one body in Christ. Paul reminds us here that we're individuals. You are saved individually and you are gifted by God individually. Listen to what Paul wrote to this other church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14. Scratch that. Verse 4. He says there are many diversities of gifts, that is various kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, same Lord. There are diversities of activities, same God who works all in all. 
But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, another prophecy, another discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, but one of the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually as God wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. See, we're special to God. We're special to God as individual children, individual believers. He loved you. He died for you. He saved you. He gifted you. And he has a very special place for you in the body of Christ. Now, would you agree with me that, that God has made some pretty strange people in his family? Amen? If you don't know, if you're one of the strange ones, you probably is. Amen? But here's the point. Each individual is important to God's work. There is no one here who is more important than the other. We are all of equal importance individually to the body of Christ. So be sure to understand the individuality, but also be sure to understand the integration. Everybody seeing this? How things work together. Notice the end of verse 5. And individually, members of one another. You and I work together. You and I are a team. We work together and we're all on equal footing before the cross. Amen? I'm not more important than you are. You're not more important than I am. Our bodies may have a whole lot of components. And when they all function together seamlessly, man, the body works together well. One part of the body gets sick, what happens? The whole body is affected. Amen? So that's the same thing with the, the body of Christ. We are to be a picture of incredible teamwork. I mean, when I drop the ball, you got to pick it up. Amen? Where I falter, you got to pick up that slide. And vice versa for me. When my eyes see something that I want to investigate closer, it's incredible how my hand immediately reaches out to take, it, take a hold of it so that I can see it closer. Right? When I want to go somewhere, it doesn't take me long before my feet is moving. My whole body's moving toward that place where I want to go. The body is working together. There's wonderful teamwork. There's incredible cooperation in the body. And that is exactly the kind of seamless teamwork that must occur in the body of Christ for us to be effective to the glory of God. We've got to have a great team, a great spirit of cooperation. Now, sadly, there are those believers that think they can get along without other believers. They think that they can cut themselves off from the body of Christ and still exist. Can I tell you that they're sadly mistaken? They may think they can, but the church is not about the welfare of one individual. The church is about the glory of God being manifested through the whole body of Christ. So if I chop off my arm, my arm is not going to do much good. Amen? 
If I chop off my foot, I'm not going to be walking very far. Amen? You cannot isolate yourself from the body of Christ because the whole intent is so that we work together seamlessly in cooperation with one another. You may do fine without me, but friend, I cannot live without you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 does a great job of comparing the human body to the body of Christ. Check this out in verse 14. Paul says again, he's writing to, to a church just like us. And he says, for in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? The answer is no. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? The answer is no. If the whole body were an eye, would there be any hearing? No. If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one members, where would the body be? If we were all arms, where would the body be? Amen? If we were all mouths, where would the body be? Gossiping all the time, amen? <laughs> wow. So, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members that which... We think are to be less honorable. These are the ones that bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body. Having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no division in the body. That the, the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. When, when, when I get a cold, I get an upper respiratory infection, my whole body feels horrible. Amen? You get the drift. When one of us suffers, we all suffer. But likewise, um, if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So important that we understand that. Every part of the body has a job to do. And if your job ain't getting done, then the body is suffering. Amen? We are all to come together for the good of the whole. We're all focused on the glory of God being done through the whole. None are unimportant. And every single one of them are equally important before God. None should be left out. And it's no different in the body of Christ. So watch your pride in the body, but also watch your place in the body. Finally, today, I want to encourage you to watch your performance in the body. See, after you get about the business of finding your place, after you get about the business of finding your niche in the body, then you are called to do what you're gifted to do. After you find out what it is, you're called to do it. And Paul reminds us of our call. Look in verse 6. Having been gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Amen? Let us use them. In other words, having been given all you need to do the work of God, do it. Do it. Do it. 
When you're saved, you're given at least one spiritual gift for the glory of God. So if you're saved, you don't have to ask God for a spiritual gift. You've already been given one. Now, you may need to ask God to show you the gifts that he's given you. You may need to ask God to help you see how he wants to use you in the area that he's gifted you. You may need to ask God to increase your willingness to use the gift he's given you. But you never need to question the fact that God has gifted you to be a part of the body of Christ. He already has given you that, and his call is clear. Use the gift God has given you. But also, Paul reminds us of the criteria. Let me continue to read in verse 6. He says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Prophecy, by the way, is just proclaiming the word of God, teaching the word of God. Uh, he continues on. Or ministry, he says it again here, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, who, who encourages, use your encouragement gift to encourage other people. See, there are all kinds of gifts in the church, and the Bible mentions a lot of the other gifts in some other places in the Bible. Check this out again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 28, the Bible says that God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets. Third, teachers, after that, miracles and gifts of healings and helps and administrations and a variety of languages. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with other languages? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. But he's not only finished with that. Listen to what else he says. To another church, the church at Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, he says this. And he himself, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and the work of ministry and for the encouragement of the body of Christ. And then he spoke to Peter, saying this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as each one has received a gift. There's an assumption there that we have received a gift. He says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So be about the work of God. And listen, the only criteria that's given in Scripture for you to have a, the, the gift is for you to use with all diligence the gift God's given you. He'll give you the gift. Just use it. Just do what he's called you to do. Now, sometimes you've got to wait on God. Amen? Sometimes you have to wait on God to open doors for you to use your gift because when and how God chooses to use us is his business. Amen? It's his business, but here's our job. Our job is to be available, to be willing to be used when he calls. Are you willing? Are you ready to use the gift he's given you when God calls? Finally today, Paul closes with a caution. Look what he says there at the end of verse 8. He says, he who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. 
As I'm reading that, I'm saying, wait a minute. He's talking about attitude there. Not only do I do what he's called me to do, but I better be mindful of my attitude when I do it. Amen? We always got to be willing to use God's gifts, God's way for God's glory. It's all about him. And that, that verse mentions three gifts. Giving, leading, and showing mercy. But then it also gives three attitudes. Three attitudes that we ought to have while doing those things. And that is liberality, diligence, and cheerfulness. Now I read those three and you know what I think? Man, we ought to have those three attitudes in every gift that we use. No matter what we're doing for the gift of God, we ought to be having liberality, which is being generous, which is being free from hypocrisy. No ulterior motives. We ought to be generous with the way we use our spiritual gifts. But not only that, we ought to be diligent. That is hardworking, earnest. I mean, this refers to seeing the urgency of the, most, of the moment. Do you know that there are people lost out there that need your gift? Do you know that this body of Christ needs for you to incorporate and utilize the gift God's given you? We need you. This church needs you. This body of Christ needs you. God wants you to use the gift he's given, and he wants you to do it with diligence. He wants you to see the need and then desire to make a difference for the glory of God. All you have to do is use your gift. Use what he's given you. Do what he's told you to do and have the right attitude about it. And that third attitude is cheerfulness. Man, I tell you what, it's incredible. How many times I've seen people come to serve the Lord and, man, they got the humdrum. Y'all know what a humdrum is, right? Man, it's a sourpuss face. And, I mean, they're... It's like, man, they do not want to be here. And I understand being weary. I understand coming in after a hard day's work. But, man, if you're going to come and do the work of God, you better be excited about it. Amen? Especially when you're doing it with kids. Because you come in with a poor attitude. You come in dreading the fact that you're here with a kid. They're going to know it. Amen? They're going to know whether you want to be there or not. So be cheerful. Be excited. Be ready. I mean, we're in partnership with God Almighty. That's incredible. I mean, here we are, all we have to do is just exercise our God-given gifts and fill our hearts with excitement and readiness to serve the Lord. Serving God with an excited heart. Man, that's the way we ought to serve God. Going to church, why? Because you can't wait. You can't wait to see your friends. You can't wait to see your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can't wait to serve God. Witnessing. Why? Because you want other people to have what you got. You want other people to have the salvation you enjoy, the surety that you're going to heaven. Serving in the body, it's all about being what the Lord wants you to be. Is that where you are today? Are you where the Lord wants you to be today? Are you doing what the Lord has called you to do today? I mean, I wonder oftentimes, how well are we using our God-given gifts here at Bethel? Each one of us have gifts, but are all the parts of the body using their gift? Are they trying to use their gifts for themselves? Can I just tell you that don't work? Because the gift wasn't given for you. The gift was given for the whole body. Has God spoken to you today? 
regarding your place in the body? And can I just tell you here that you can't retire? The only retirement plan in the body of Christ will happen when you get to heaven. Amen? As long as you're here, God's got a plan for you. A plan for you to use your gift and to bless the body of Christ with it. Have you realized today that if you belong to the body of Christ, you've been given a gift to use for its glory? Remember, a living sacrifice doesn't live for itself. A living sacrifice lives for others, specifically for the body of Christ. You know, that's kind of all about what our, our 3151 challenge is about. Is this about Brother Bill? Nope. Is this about this church building? Sorry. Is this about anything else other than building the body of Christ? Nope. That's all it's about. Getting the good news out to lost people. Inviting people to come join us here in this body of Christ. Being willing to learn one way to share the good news. And then committing. You know what? One of these days in the next 12 months, somebody's going to hear the gospel from these lips. I pray you've made that commitment. I pray you've made that challenge. I pray you're using your gifts for the glory of God in this body of Christ. If you need some direction in that, I pray that during this invitation time you come forward. If you realize, you know what, the reason you ain't got a gift is because you don't have a place in the, in, the, in the family of God. You haven't given your life to Christ yet. You can do that today as well. So however the Lord is leading you today to become a part of the body, I pray that you just be obedient. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you could have done all the work of the body by yourself. But you chose to gift 